0: You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. Today I have Berta R. with me. Berta, how long have you been clean? 15 years. Wow, 15 years. Congrats. That's what's up. Thank you. So where are you from? Born and raised in Miami. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. So what's your story? So my story begins as a child in Miami getting kidnapped, I guess, kindergarten. My parents had took me to register me for kindergarten. Wow, you got kidnapped? I got kidnapped, so let me, my parents are Cuban. Mm -hmm. They came from Cuba and they didn't speak English. So they were registering me. The story has never been told to me. Like my mother never admitted what Mm -hmm. happened, but it did. So I can't tell you like after or before, but I got kidnapped. Um, Kindergarten till fourth grade by a secret society of men, and I was sold in sex trade. Wow. So I became an addict at the age of four because we were injected cocaine. Holy cow. So we could have sex all day and perform. Oh, that's crazy. So I was not the only one in the cages at the time. They kept you guys in cages? Six, seven, eight sometimes. No Americans. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I was, but they didn't know. Everybody was from different countries, so we couldn't communicate. But this was in
0: Miami. In Miami. Oh my God. Yes, by the. And by they the, would put you with other kids that didn't speak your language.
1: Yes. So they sent us to school and uh, to learn English. So um, in the fourth grade, I my menstrual cycle came on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had bled before because, of course, there was rough sex, but it wouldn't stop, mm-hmm. and I didn't know. So when I got to class that day, I was crying. Wait,
0: and, they sent you to school like with other regular kids? Yeah. And you were to living, learn English. To learn English, and you were at a sex. You were in yep. prisoned in a sex trafficking ring. Yep. And they would send us to learn English. So I don't know if they
1: paid the people off
2: mm-hmm. what
1: connection, but we would go to school for a brief time. And this time, uh, I had been to school like. Four years, on and off. Mm-hmm. My cycle came on. Mm-hmm. And I was crying, and the teacher asked me, um, and she was from Sweden. I always remember her. her name was Miss Schufer. She said, what's the matter? And I was like, uh, I'm bleeding. And she said, where's your mommy? And I was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know what? Four years ago, I had a student with the same last name. And that was dumb. Like, they used my name, right? Like your real name. My real name. She said, I think you're her sister, because they used to say, "Um, I have an American sister, and we don't know what happened to her. Mm -hmm. And she says, "Um, I can't help you. Mind you, back then, um, they didn't have social work. They didn't have truant officers. I am 65 years old, so I'm talking about 60s, 59, 60s, right? Mm -hmm. And um, she said, I can't help you, but you can tell them you're American. And I was like, okay. So when I got back to the place, I told them I was an American. Mm -hmm. And the man's eyes got that big. Like, it was fear saying, and I felt so good. I felt so powerful. Yeah. And they burned the facility and put us in crocus sacks, potato sacks, Mm -hmm. and took us to the Miami River to try to kill us and threw us in the river. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: There was a, I don't know, a freighter, a ship, some guys on a... We're fishing and they hooked us out me being the oldest one at the time that had been there the longest I got paranoid and I jumped back in the river
0: hmm.
1: and escaped
0: how Man. long were you there for?
1: And the sex trafficking? Mm-hmm. like four years almost four
0: years from four to 8 mm-hmm
1: it's
0: from kindergarten to fourth grade wow
1: mm-hmm
0: it like blows my mind because like I know this goes on but like you don't really hear much about it mm-hmm wow
1: so then I escaped and with two other guys, two little dudes, and we stayed, like if you know where the Miami River is, in Miami, and there's a bridge. The bridge opens on 17th Avenue, and there's a park, and mm-hmm. we like slept under that bridge, because we, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I can't remember, days, weeks, they got caught somewhere, and I didn't see them, and I stayed on the streets maybe a year, a little bit more, so mm-hmm. I would steal clothes off clothesline, food at the store, stuff like that. I met an a older man that was kind of, he would look out for me. And I, when I, was, I still had trust issues. So I wouldn't, you know, he would put food or he would put clothes, and uh, his, him and his wife. And then one day he had uh, left me like a shotgun, like, because I wouldn't. So I, I never had shot it, never used
2: it. Mm-hmm.
1: Eventually, I got returned to my parents. So I went back to my parents at that
0: time. Did you explain to them what happened? Or were you just, like, not verbal about it? To my parents? Yeah. Like, I wasn't permitted to talk about it because
1: our culture, like, uh, Spanish culture, like, Matista, like, Mm -hmm. your men ran it. that didn't happen, it didn't exist, you're not allowed to talk about it to your siblings, and that's how it was. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, the rule in my father's house was— children didn't talk until the rooster pee and the rooster doesn't pee he shits <laughs> you know so he does i looked wow. for the i watched the rooster two days wow he doesn't, pee, so. he doesn't pee so um i couldn't talk about it i wasn't allowed to talk about it mm-hmm. at that time i have three brothers and a sister and i had four cousins my mom raised her sister's kids because her sister stayed in cuba to fight castro so it was nine mm-hmm. At that time, the, my siblings, I have a brother that's 12 and one's 11 years older than me, had came from Vietnam. I still was, like, boyish. I knew I didn't like, I didn't like men. I didn't mm-hmm. like really nothing. So I guess he had this idea in his head that he was going to change me. So if he fucked me, you know, I wasn't going to be gay, that he was going to fuck the the gayness out of me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That happened for a little while. I didn't tell my parents because— they weren't going to believe me. They didn't let me talk about nothing before. So mm-hmm. I ran away when I was 13, 14. Hmm. Stayed in school. Saw the man that ran the sex trade. Wow, you ran into him? Saw him. Followed him on a bicycle. Wow! Went to his house. Slept in the bushes. I wanted to see if that monster had a kid. Or how could you do kids like that? Mm-hmm. And um, I went back because I, I still had that shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like, I always had it. It just, I buried it. And I it got the shotgun, came back next morning, went to shoot him. Uh, it broke my jaw.
0: Oh, wow. The it, shotgun?
1: The click back there. Yeah. I had never shot it. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh shot off. So wow. I just wanted him dead. You yeah. know, I had so much anger and hatred. I was arrested, and uh, I was sentenced to 30 years for attempt murder.
0: Did you oh, shoot him?
1: No, it didn't even hit the tree, the house, mm-hmm. and nothing. Wow. So I went to prison
0: as a juvenile. I was one of the youngest juveniles in Florida prison. Did you tell the police I wanted to kill him because of X, Y, and Z? Like, what did you say? I mean, They didn't believe me. Wow. I was an immigrant to them. I
1: was not an American, you know. Mm-hmm. I saw my parents, and parents couldn't afford a lawyer. Yeah. So, oh, my God. So I got screwed. I went to prison. In prison, I went to Max Up Security in Florida. Not a nice prison. Mm-hmm. The Black Widow was there, with all the crews. Blanco, I mean, and mm-hmm. a lot of other women. So, in prison, maximum security. At that time, a lot of illegal things. The cartel ran it, the gangs, so. And you were you, 13? Uh, by the time I got to prison, they they kept me in jail till I turned 15. 15. And then they sent me to prison. So it was, I was 14, I stayed in jail, I went to prison at 15. And then they started doing a lot of things, like letting us go out of mm-hmm. the compound. They would put you as, like I had a murder charge, but they made me medium and then minimum. Because at that time, the cartel wanted women uh, to look like they were Spanish, mm-hmm. because they were doing a lot of illegal things. Like they were sending women to Colombia, they were sending women to Cuba and bringing back drugs. Mm-hmm. and
0: like you were supposed to be on this um so i guess the more spanish you look the easier it would be to go in between right well you know. yeah they didn't want blonde hair blue eyes
1: because that's look like you're know. trafficking yeah. yeah alert alert please. You're like what yeah. are they doing here you know it was a couple of us at that, that minute it was like six or seven and uh, we learned either how to make it transport it from there i learned how to fly airplanes well, because I didn't want to. I learned how to make it, too, but I wasn't going to go there. And
0: so hey, this is so crazy <laughs> to me. So wait, you're 15 years old in prison. Yeah. And they're allowing you to leave prison and the cartel is paying off guards or something. So what's going on is you're going to work outside the facility. Yeah, like a work release program. Right.
1: So you're you're going before work release. You're still if you're minimum, you get to go eight, 10 hours and go off. Uh huh. And then you come back, and then eventually, when they, like you said, work release, when they put you on work leave, you're not in the prison, but you're still in the, you know, like a compound, system. yeah, right. And you get to leave because you get to go to work, and yeah. then you get permission. So yeah, they're paying somebody off. Mm-hmm. They're either paying the guards, or and they site. were, and you
0: flew to Colombia
1: during the time
0: that during I that in, time that I was incarcerated, and they were teaching you how to make coke and how to transport it, and then you even learned how to fly planes. Yes, all those things. You would fly Cessna planes excuse me you flew Cessna planes plane I flew if you
1: look at one of the cartel movies Pablo Escobar has a zoo
0: Mhm. yeah where he has that plane that zebra,
1: that, that's one of the planes wow. that we flew and then let me see I did 10 years I worked for them got out of prison continued working for them the whole time it was prison it was rough because like the things you did even though that you flew for the cartel you worked for the cartel some cards didn't care um they try to rape you, abuse you, take advantage of you. Um, These are the guards. The guards. Mm-hmm. So while I was in prison, and um, I have refused to go back out there, I said I don't oh. want to do this anymore. So you can't refuse. So they were going to try to like put fear in me and put me in confinement. Mm-hmm. And while I was in confinement, one of the guards came down there and told me that I was going to suck it's private, you mm-hmm. uh, know. Like I try to beg and say, "Look, man, I've been abused." This happened and that happened, and he said, fuck that, you're going to do it. So when he maced me, and I was wiping, all I could hear was the zipper. Mm -hmm. When he pulled the shit out, I grabbed it and I bit it off. Wow. And I got another 10 years on top of that.
0: Oh, my God. You bit it off? The whole thing. (laughs) I was going to
1: wear it. (laughs) Hey, I was going to wear
0: it. (laughs) I was going to put a pin on it and wear that motherfucker. Oh, my God. He maced you and you bit his dick off. His ball off. His ball? Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah, so then I got— Like, uh, once
0: you think you heard it all, it's just
1: <laughs> I got 10 years, and they kept me in confinement, um, 372 wow, days. you got 10 more years for that. Mm-hmm. Against a Leo, a law enforcement mm-hmm. officer. And they moved him. They kept me in confinement for 372 days and i ate peas and carrots that's what they fed me Mm -hmm. peas and carrots i remember my father coming to see me it was like i was on drugs because when i got out of confinement i was like Mm -hmm. like peas and carrots and i was real pale so i was like i ain't on no damn drugs then i got out of prison um continued to i the whole time i was clean so i had to go back to when i went to prison i cold turkey before i went to prison i asked the judge so I got clean when I was like 15, even though I was an addict very young. And the whole time I maintained clean, even though I you know, made cocaine and all that mm-hmm. I didn't use. It's hard, once you're in the life, you can't get out, Like they ain't gonna let you out, because you're a access to them, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I got rearrested in 86, and I got a, uh, the RICO Act, which is the minimum mandatory, the bitch law in Florida.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I got sentenced to 55 years, 25 mandatory. Wow. Yeah, and then I was kind of like smart at that time because I knew that they lied on the stand, and when they lied on the stand, I got a private detective and I paid them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't serve the whole twenty five years. I got called back. And what was the twenty five? What were you getting charged with? Uh, conspiracy to traffic, traffic cocaine, possession cocaine, manufacturing cocaine, wow. which is the Act, which is mm-hmm. the worst. Yeah. Worst charge in Florida. And I was me and a woman that was uh, my girlfriend at the time, which she died in 98 from alcoholism. We both got sentenced and her son.
0: Were you using at this
1: time? Nope. Still clean? clean? Still clean. I stayed clean for like almost 25 years and I relapsed. Yeah. And you were just caught up in the lifestyle? Caught up in the lifestyle. Like, at that time, like, I suffered the disease of addiction, so it's it's not the drug, it's my behavior. Yeah, of course. So I was chasing women and money. Mm-hmm. Like, and I said, well, when I make a million, I'm going to stop. When I make two million, I'm going to stop. You weren't making that much money? How old were you? Oh, uh, Let me see. I'm made i 65 now, so in the 80s. I was in my 20s, and I already had a million. You had a million dollars in cash? Mm-hmm. When they arrested me, I was worth 20-something million.
0: 20-something million? Yeah. What would you do with all the money?
1: So, when I got arrested in 1986, um, the feds came in there and they walked all over. Mm-hmm. Like, they found a quarter million dollars worth of jury, no drugs. And he said, We're going to take your house, we're going to take your money. They found like 180,000 mm-hmm. cash that I had in the house. A quarter million dollars worth of jury, which most of them were kilo bars of. Gold. Mm-hmm. back then you could buy gold and it was easier to go to the bank and cash Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. you could just say, I just
1: want my money, you know And then if you were buying product, you didn't have to count a hundred thousand two hundred thousand You just gave them a kilo of gold or two and it was you know, you knew how much it weighed yeah. So you weighed
0: it and
1: So they took that on um, they took I had seven vehicles They took the house the money was buried so mm-hmm. they didn't get it and then I went to jail I stayed in jail with no bond. When I got a bond, it was a ransom, a million dollars. I got arrested in Duval. And, and the whole time, the whole year, I had a guy following, a confidential informant, oh, yeah. but it was yeah. an officer. Okay. So he said I sold three keys in Fort Lauderdale Airport, which at that time I never had been in Fort Lauderdale Airport. Mm-hmm. I never flew in Fort Lauderdale. I flew out of Orlando, Miami. So and, you
0: were buying your own Coke and flying your own Coke?
1: At the time, I was, I didn't have to fly it anymore because like I wasn't. But that's flying. how it started. Yeah, it started with me flying, and then I didn't have to fly. Like one of the guys fell in love with me, and then uh-huh. he, like I helped him get connected to this Cuban dude, and then every mm-hmm. time they hooked up, they'll throw me one or throw me two. Okay. At that time, if they throw me one, I could cut it and make thirty out of one. That's how raw it was. Thirty keys. Thirty keys out of one, because that wow. was like. You could just get each of the line. Mm-hmm. So, um <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't have to do nothing like you know for a while. I didn't mm-hmm. have to sell it. People were selling it for me. I didn't put my hands on it anymore. And then I got arrested. Uh, I got called back to court because um, I had a good lawyer. And the lawyer showed where the confidential informant that said that on so-and-so date, I sold them this product. He happened to be in Dominican Republic at his best friend's wedding. Mm. So So he lied on the stand. Lied on the stand. I had already took the time. So all they could do to help me, which I thought they were helping me, the judge habitualized me, which Mm -hmm. he gave me the worst, worst than the Rico, and told me to do four more years. So I ended up doing, like, in all my life, I probably done did, like, 20-something years, Mm. right? I did the time, came out. What was,
0: like, prison life like?
1: Um, not bad, but it could be mm-hmm. like because you had women, then you had guards. So if you just stayed out the way, it was okay. But like you know, just like you hear, orange black, they rape women, guards rape women. At that time, they had changed the law where men could come in the door. Like if we were butt naked or whatever, men were wow. allowed to come in the door. They had men guards, you know. And of course, it was maximum security. And then I was sentenced to when I got sentenced. Then I had me up in uh, by Mississippi and Alabama. Mm -hmm. The states had me up there, and then they closed that camp because too many women were trying to kill themselves because it used to be a men's camp, and the guards were real hard. Mm -hmm. So they closed that one down. They sent us to another camp in Ocala, and they closed that one down. So it was like at that time. For me, I don't think at the beginning it was hard, Mm -hmm. but then I became institutionalized. I stayed out of the the limelight. I stayed out the way of the guards and like, the murderers are... Like, you had to fight, of course. Like, yeah. I got stabbed. I got stabbed by a can of oysters because a girl said, give me that. And I thought, like, the <laughs> I'm a key, goddamn, i you goddamn goddamn... You know, what am I going to eat? And yeah. then she stabbed me, and I, I burned her. Like, with the, with the water, I burned her to a pink meat. And then if you play crazy, they leave you alone. So I mm-hmm. burnt this girl. I stabbed another one, and they left me alone. Mm-hmm. So that, that was prison life. I came home... Uh, I didn't want that life. So the question everybody asks is, you know, how did you get out of it? So when I came home, I was, uh, I had a best friend of mine, which he he died from alcoholism after doing 17 years in prison, came home and died. He worked for the uh, the Cuban cartel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He wanted me to fly to, fly his family to the Cayman Islands and stuff, and he was doing a deal. And I remember he told me, pick this guy up and bring him to my house, and I was like, I didn't like the guy. So, um, I didn't bring him to his house. I stopped in Miami and got him a hotel room. And then he was like, Well, why you didn't bring my friend? I was like, You don't even know him, man. He's your friend. Mm-hmm. I said, like, He's the police. And I, I bet you he's the police. I feel he's the police. Well, anyway, um, he flew him to the Cayman Islands with him. And at that time, the guy that had arrested me prior happened to be there. Like, he was uh, an agent, you mm-hmm. know. And FBI agents, they move into EA agents, like mm-hmm. from Miami to Jacksonville. I told him I said that's that's them and he was like no, you're paranoid. I'm like okay. So my friend and his friend, which was Cuban at that night, just met. He was like, well, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna get off the island? And there was a helicopter uh, that lands on the water. And I was like, go get on the helicopter. He said, you know how to fly one? I like, just go get on. I had never flew a helicopter.
0: And, wow, and it's totally <laughs> different than a plane.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, it took me four or five times to get it up. And you figured it out? I figured it out and went from Cayman, just had to fly it over to the Bimini, you know, they're real close, mm-hmm. land in the water and we got away. But eventually, like two weeks later, they arrested him. But like the Cuban dude had his son there and I got his son out. So they like tried to give me a lot of money. And I was like, I don't want no money. I just want freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fly nothing no more. I don't want no let- nothing. I don't want nothing. Just leave me alone. I saved your life. I didn't have to tell y'all because nothing. I could have got on that shit by myself. Mm-hmm. The Cuban dude said, you know, y'all let her go. I didn't have to do anything else with them. They had sent me to work lease and, in Jacksonville. So I stayed in Jacksonville like 20 years, mm-hmm. worked, tried to live right and everything. And then um, wasn't using, was working for a food company. That sent produce to Cuba, mm-hmm. and I just did uh forklift. Okay, so I used to be a forklift driver. Uh huh. Just cool. I was the only girl, like Killing. you know, mm-hmm. and working. And then uh, my sister called me one day and told me that my dad was dying and he wanted to see me. And I got on the train, and uh, when I got on the train, I had issues. I had mommy issues. I hated my mom, because mm-hmm. my mom never explained what happened to me. Why was I the youngest girl out of four girls, out of nine kids, the only one that got raped, abused, and all that? Mm -hmm. So I want to know, did you hate me because I was gay or because that wasn't my father? Because when I was 13, my grandmother told me that wasn't my father. So
2: Mm.
1: I hated her. And now, mind you, I had to catch this train, and my mom wasn't there. So I was mad. I was like, ow. I knew if it was my brother, she would have been there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I hated her. Like, I really hated my mom. And so I was so mad that I didn't pay no attention to my back. And this dude walked up on me. Little dude looked like a little choir boy, a church boy. And he was like, let me get a cigarette. And I had a cigarette behind me. And I was like, I ain't got no motherfucking cigarettes. He's like, you got one by your ear. I said, it's my motherfuckers. Like, get the fuck Mm -hmm. out. And uh, I didn't pay attention to him. He walked behind me and put a knife. And uh, he was a serial rapist. I just said, oh, Lord Jesus, please, like, you know, Mm -hmm. don't let me get HIV, don't let him kill me. He made a wrong turn. We started fighting, like, he turned, and for a second, I was like, I got him, Mm -hmm. you know, I could beat him. But then when I had him, he got a pistol. So now I really can't beat him because I can't eat bullets, you know. I ain't Mm -hmm. Superman and all that to spit him out, so... He did whatever he had to do. He shot me in the leg, stabbed me in the head. I got a hundred so stitching. Wow. And I went to report it to the police. I walked, like, to the substation. So mm-hmm. if anybody knows Miami, the Amtrak station on 79th Street, and there's a substation. And it was a sub police station, like, a couple of blocks on 79th Street where the flea market was with the swap mm-hmm. shot. So it's around 1130, I guess, in the office. I'm bleeding, but he doesn't say have a seat or anything. He was like, what's the matter? And I was like, you know, I just got raped. I was getting off the train. I don't remember maybe if I was gabbling or he thought I was crazy or something. He asked me my name. And I gave him my name. So, of course, when he looks up, my jacket, mm-hmm. murder, drug, blah, 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 blah. He said, oh, you just smoked some bad crack. Wow. I was like, I ain't never smoked no crack before in my life. Mm-hmm. And he put me in a holding cell for like seven hours. Hmm. And uh, in seven hours.
0: With a bullet wound?
1: In my leg. Oh, my God. hmm And stabbed. Mm-hmm. Bleeding. No toilet paper, nothing treated. And so I got into feeling sorry for me, being mm-hmm. on the pity pot. Not thinking about a program. Not thinking about calling anybody just mad and angry. Playing the victim. Because I played the victim all my life. I could do that real good. Mm-hmm. You know, I blamed everything. I blamed prison. I blamed my mom. I blamed my brother. About seven hours, like, it was like, I guess, eight in the morning. And he was like, I'm so sorry. You're free to go. Where did an addict like me go mad? In the, and I had a bracelet. I remember having a Cuban Link bracelet. I went in the dope hole, asked somebody to have ID. The boy said, You the police? I said, No. I said, I'm going to make your day today. Mm-hmm. Going to the pawn shop. Pawned my bracelet, got some dope, got money to go to the hotel, got some bleach, stayed in there
0: shot the dope and um and you had never done drugs before this
1: no i did drugs Oh, okay remember i, I was addicted when i was young oh okay and oh, so th- i was addicted when i was young and i
0: and i stayed so you always remembered that yeah
1: wow and so i had started shooting dope on my own when i was like 13 14 15, angry with my mom mm-hmm. hanging with the wrong people and then i stopped like i cold turkey going to prison because i didn't want to be a dope fiend mm-hmm. and the judge gave me two weeks off like, you know, before coming back. So you
0: were shooting dope at 13, 14. hmm And then you got clean once you started hustling. And right. then went to prison. Yep. Okay.
1: And then I realized, so after I realized, I, you know, when I got so dope, I went to the hospital. I wasn't going to tell them about the bullet, which I didn't because then they were going to send me right back. Mm-hmm. Bitch, if I got a bullet, you know, crime, going back to jail. I got stitched. Doctor told the nurse, coming, You could see her brain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My father was dying. I got cleaned up, um, got to see my father, got to bury my father, and then I just said, got the case of the fuckers, because my father was the only man I ever loved. Like, I loved my father, I was a daddy's girl. Like, I had a house in Jacksonville, I had cars, Mm -hmm. I had animals and pets, and I went on a run. Like, for 2003, my clean date is December 27, 2005, so Mm -hmm. almost two years, I became homeless, Everything that the girls in prison used to tell me, those not yet. like, oh, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. I'm like, I ain't never do that when I was getting out the first time. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't been homeless. I hadn't sold my body. Shot dope like with dirty water, toilet water and all that. So that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And I I became homeless. I started selling my body. Everything, like I went from sugar to shit. I lost every goddamn thing. And then I realized that I was an addict that I suffered the disease of addiction. The only reason I went to treatment was when I gave blood, when my father was sick at the hospital, everybody donated blood, my whole family. And they found out that I had hepatitis, and then my cousin is a hepatologist. So he had said, cuz, you know, you got hepatitis C, um, you got cancer, you're gonna die, and I'm like, what the fuck? But at the, at the time, I was still but homeless. cancer too? Yeah, so I was in stuff, so I was still homeless, and like I, I wasn't really ready to fucking stop Because I was like, I'm going to die anyway mm-hmm. So what the fuck But uh, I remember being homeless and sleeping on the streets And there used to be like a group of us Four or five of us And this particular day like In Miami they have a thing they call green shirts People come around and ask you Do you want treatment? Do you want to go to the program? This particular day they kept telling us Y'all be careful because we're finding uh, A lot of vets and homeless people With organs missing like, the black market was hitting mm-hmm. on people in Miami back then in 2002, 2003, taking their organs. And I was like, ah, oh, they just trying to scare us. Mm-hmm. They just want us to go to treatment. they full of shit. You know, addicts. Yeah. So a couple of days later, we were on uh, Street, 17th Street and 7th Avenue by Jackson Hospital sleeping. And uh, we used to eat from the nuns. And I remember laying on this girl, waking up, pushing her, telling her, wake up. You know, we got to go eat and looking at her and somebody surgically removed her eyes. Hmm. So I was like, all of like panic. Like, when did that happen? How come we didn't feel it? So like we kind of figured out like that night when people like they have people that come and bring you food, like trucks Mm -hmm. and give you food. And we had been eating off them trucks and it was never Italian food. It was funny that night. It was Italian food. Italian food? It was pasta and all that, and bread and mm-hmm. all. That. So they had to put something in the food because all of us didn't. we knocked out, and everybody that that day went to the shelter or treatment, and I ended up in a treatment. Like I went, it was December. Wow.
0: So, so this girl died, and they took, they killed her, right? Yeah, they took her eyes. And they took her eyes. You know like we were right down oh the street God. from
1: Bassman and Palmer is one of the famous eye clinics in Miami on Seventeenth Street. We were right on Seventeenth. Like, we were two blocks from that hospital, Wow. and somebody took her eyes. So it was almost Christmas Day, and uh, I went to—you had to go to Central Intake in Miami if you don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. And the lady said, well, we're closed. It's going to be the holidays, and I'm bad. i like, look, man, shelter's full. I need treatment. And she was like, I don't have a bed. Next morning, she came, and she was like, you're still here? And I said, I need a bed. Like, I'm begging for a bed. Mm-hmm. And she said— uh, you have any, anywhere you could go for a couple of days?" And I called my sister, and I stayed with my sister. They called me, I got the last time I got high was Christmas Eve, but I don't use that as my clean date or Christmas. She called me the day after Christmas and told me that they had a bed. And I was three days clean, and I went to treatment December 27th. That was the first time I you know, had to pee clean. Mm-hmm. So that's what I used. my clean date December 27. I forgot to say that I had heard about the program in prison Of course they had AA mm-hmm. meetings And H&I, but I never could relate to being an alcoholic because I'm not an alcoholic mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't care nothing about meetings back then in the seven and then I went to treatment and um, I stayed in treatment seven months I was so like wanted to know what the disease of addiction was because like I never thought I was an addict, because I didn't pick up the drugs. Like, I was introduced to drugs, and I was forced to do drugs as a kid, at four. Then I picked them up, sure, at 13, but I was like, you know, I'm not an addict, because I stopped on my own, I went to prison, and I never used them again. But I realized that, you know, I suffered the disease of addiction. I am an addict, you know? I stayed in treatment seven months. I um, followed all the suggestions. I went to a halfway house. I lived in the halfway house 10 years. In those ten years I stayed there, uh, I went to school. My degree is substance abuse disorder, and my bachelor's is human service addiction wow. studies. And what
0: like inspired you to go to school? I was so like
1: going to going to treatment and hearing people's stories, mm-hmm. and then I had a, a two therapists, one from New York, a female and a male. One was in recovery, and he had a lot of time, and he had his drug of choice was heroin, like like mine, mm-hmm. and he was like. You know, you suffer disease and got a story, but you need to, you know, you want to know about Because I used to ask questions. He days why don't you go to school? And I was like, I'm old. Like, the fuck I'm going to be a <laughs> fucking school, yo? Like, I don't Like, I went to prison when there was, like, eight tracks. And I come out, and there's not even a cassette. I don't know about pages. I don't know about none of that shit. I was yeah. in prison. I didn't even know about goddamn uh, computer. I didn't even know what a damn email was. So mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck? I was scared. Like, I was scared to go to school. Going to meetings and hearing other addicts Mm -hmm. say, like, yeah, I went to school. I didn't know. So you could do it. You know, shit. You flew planes. You did this and you did that. Go to school. Yeah, you didn't know how to fly a helicopter. Uh, So I was like, okay. And I remember being scared and and asking questions. I had to take a computer class. I remember my nephew wanted to be a nurse, so he went.
2: Mm -hmm. We're
1: going to school. and um, So the teacher was like, you know, simple. Just don't be scared of it, you know. And I was like, man, this shit ain't doing what it's supposed to be doing. I used to cry in it. Oh, my God. And you had to take it. To go to college, everybody has to take a computer class. So. And mm-hmm. I was on academic. It's funny because I was on academic probation because when I went to jail, they let us study at Miami-Dade, you know, through, through a program. Like, we would go. And since I was in there two years, so I had registered to go to school,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I didn't go to school. Like, I went to two classes and stuff. So they held that against me. They had me on academic probation mm-hmm. from like seventy something. So I was I couldn't I couldn't fail his class. And he was like, I said, look, um, professor, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm scared of this, I don't know it, but I, I can't fail your class. I said, I'm gonna come to your class and he said, my well, little said, Why don't you tell him? You're trying to put the boo game on them. I said, I've been to prison, man. I've been to prison <laughs> for murder. So I need a goddamn A. <laughs> so I did get an A. What, <laughs> what were you scared of? <laughs> I came every day he gave me an A. <laughs> so he wow. gave me an A. But um I think the coolest thing that when I was in school, mm-hmm. when I was going to FAU, because I, I got my bachelor's
0: uh, so cool.
1: Uh, uh from F- Florida Atlantic University. But I went to Miami dade downtown. And then I uh, graduated, and then I went to FAU. So um, I wanted to be a smart addict, you know. By then, I'm working steps and everything, and, and I was a criminal. So now I want to major in criminology. That was my minor, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to take classes on, you know, the scheduling of, ju- of uh, the drugs and different classes on the cartel. And I was like, "Oh, that'd be interesting." So I'm gonna take that <laughs> class. And uh, I took this class, and it's it was like. Like God doing for me like what I couldn't do for, for myself, and uh-huh. you know, I needed to see this man again. So I remember English is not my first language, and I remember the feds that busted me in 86 told me that I was a very good adversary, and he was like, you know, you're a very good adversary. And I was like, what the fuck you called me? Because I didn't know what an adversary <laughs> meant. So time had passed, and I was taking this class, first day of class, and the professor was like, you know, I want to know... If you're a junior or senior, what's your major? I want to know your name. And I stand in the back. It was like 40 something classmates. Yeah. So, and the man kept looking at me. I was like, like, I didn't remember him because years had passed. Now mm-hmm. it's 2016. So count the years from 86 to 2000. So I was like, why is this man looking at me like that? So he's like, Miss Rote, you know, Berta, mm-hmm. you're chapter six, Columbian Cartel. And you could tell your classmates all about it later. And I'm like, what the fuck?
0: So. uh, He was the guy who arrested you?
1: The guy that was uh, arrested me, DEA agent, had quit, retired, and became a teacher. So an adjunct professor, as they call him. And after class, I said, listen, who are you? He said, I'm going to give you one guess. I was like, "I I can't guess. And he was like, adversary. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. And he was like. Why did you retire? You were making a lot of money. I said, why are you <laughs> <laughs> retired? Oh, my God. So uh, he told me that after he arrested me that he had um, the, the worst or the heinous crime. They sent him to Russia to arrest the Russian mob because they had sold the United States distilleries of vodka mm-hmm. that weren't vodka. That was air-conditioned fluid that... We put in our country's distillery in the 80s, and it killed a lot of, you know, innocent human beings. So, and then uh, we became friends. And that's why he retired? That's why he retired. He said, like, you know, that was heinous. Mm -hmm. How could they sell all, like, you know, a lot of people died, like innocent people. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, people were drinking that had um, graduated Mm -hmm. or... You know, birthday. Celebrating whatever. Yeah, Yeah. and it was air-conditioned fluid in our distilleries, like, Mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of people died, so he said, you know, he don't want to do it no more. That's like back when I was growing up, liquor was brown or white, Mm -hmm. clear or dark. Then in the 80s, you started seeing colors in, and I was the mob started that, like the Russian mob. Mm -hmm. So I stayed clean. Like I said, I got 15 years clean. I graduated
0: in 2017.
1: Wow. Um. Let me see. I got, I've got. i been working in treatment 13,
0: 13 years. 13 years you been working in treatment? hmm So, you know, it kind of seems when you tell your story, like, you just found the rooms and just got clean, you know? Like, what was that first year like, you know? How important—because, you know, you talk about working steps and stuff, and, like, I want to, like, stress the importance of, like, getting a sponsor and working the steps, you know? Okay, so I always tell—since um, I work in treatment, I always say I earned my chair. Mm-hmm. Like, I earned it.
1: Like, when I went to treatment— I didn't know nothing. And I had been a knucklehead or stubborn. I, I'm an habitual offender. I've been to prison. I never listened. Like, I never listened to nobody because I wasn't allowed to talk. I didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in my house, it was shut the fuck up. You don't say nothing, nothing happened. You know, even when I got to be an adult, and I still asked my mom what happened. So when I came to treatment, it was like, I remember this man telling me to shut the fuck up. Take the cotton out of (laughs) my ear, stick it in my mouth. Oh, man, I'm like, he must don't know who the fuck I am. Like, Mm. for real, this man going to say that? But I did. I shut up. I listened. I took suggestions. They told me, like, I, you know, I could have went home with my mom and my brother and them, and I was like, why am I gonna go to this house? You know, even mm-hmm. though it's my why should I go there where it's a trigger? Yeah. I didn't know what a trigger was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know nothing. So I went to a halfway house. I also was told that, you know, uh, I saw a I friend. tell people
0: all the time I tell people all the time that go to treatment or whatever. When they get out, I'm like, look, you shouldn't go home. I did You should go to a halfway house and they're like, why would I go to They think a halfway house is for people who don't have a home to go to.
1: No, it's a halfway house is because like even though I was
0: institutionalized. It's that structure. Yeah. I needed the structure, right? So the I went camaraderie to a, of the other people in the house the the drug testing the curfew right that shit makes a difference
1: so i stayed and uh and it's still there it's called better way to live and it's a gated community yeah. with 44 apartments and you could live there forever and it's that you know it's, mm-hmm. it's based on your income but you, have, you get drug tested randomly drug tested you have to make four in-house meetings you have to have a sponsor you have to do all the things that they say That's where I learned, well, I think that's where I grew up at. Mm
2: -hmm. Like,
1: I didn't know who I was. Like, if I look at me, like, I didn't, the drugs did me, even though I thought, like, oh, yeah, I did them, and I had to know the drugs did me, and I didn't know who I was. But the drugs weren't my problem. Like, I realized that, yeah, I am an addict. I was born an addict. I suffer a disease, which we know it's a brain disease, but its burden was the problem. Mm -hmm. Like, I had a lot of issues. Like, I had identity issues. Like, I was born a girl, but I swear my dick I got a dick. I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, so that, so uh, I'm Cuban, but I'm not Cuban because they say I'm an American citizen. Back then, we were identified as other, an uh, O. Oh. To mm. me, that was a O. Oh. So So um, I couldn't speak because of uh, my culture. We weren't allowed to speak because back then women did not, didn't have rights. So I had a lot of issues, what they call core issues, which I didn't know. I ain't never heard none of that, right? I didn't yeah. know none of that. And... In treatment, I learned that all those problems I needed to work on. Like, I needed to dissect that identity problem. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's okay that, you know, you're born a girl, but if you feel like this, you you know, you have a right to feel how you want to feel and identify. Mm -hmm. And before, I always, like, I always worried about other people, what they would think about me being accepted and everything. So the steps taught me how to live. The spiritual principles, being honest, you know. All those things that I learned, the steps taught me. Mm -hmm. Like the person that's sitting here, if I wouldn't have worked the steps, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Like I I wouldn't be here. The steps made me grow up to be a responsible, productive, you know, member of society, a loving, caring person, like a great aunt. Or like my nephews say, you know, they got an aunt and an uncle, so (laughs) they got two in one. Uh, A great uh, employee, like uh, a great sponsor, a great friend, loyal, like all those things. Mm -hmm. I didn't know none of those. Like, the steps taught me.
0: What was your sponsor like? I had
1: uh, the the greatest sponsor, so I had two, three. But uh, like, you know, the first one, like, I'm like... The first ones I always picked was like because I wanted a pretty woman, fine woman. So I'm going to be honest. I didn't think about. It. I wasn't looking for a sponsor yeah, in the first mm-hmm. year. So eventually, when I got down to business, I was like, you know what? I really want to do this mm-hmm. because I had went to a meeting. I saw this this girl that I had knew when I was homeless, and like she was slimy, dirty, everything you could think of. And they even used to call it dirt. Like she would backstab her mama. Like she would sell her mama, and I saw her in a meeting. <laughs> And she was like, transform. Yeah. Like this beautiful woman had a baby. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck did she do? You mm-hmm. know? So I, I got my chair and I kind of like skipped by her and I called her name. And she was like, yeah, Red, because they used to call me Red. And she said, yeah, it's me. I am like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> she was like, see that shit up there on the, on mm-hmm. the fucking thing, the 12 step? She said, work and you'll be amazed. Mm-hmm. I've been fucking amazed. That's like, I, I work the steps, and, you know, like, there's nothing like, I love the steps. I believe in the steps. The steps gave me life. The reason I'm here, alive, like, I'm grateful. They told me that a grateful addict would never use, and, mm-hmm. like, I'm a grateful addict. Like, am I cured? Fuck no. Like, am I perfect? Fuck no. None of that. But, you know, that today that Alberta loves Berta. Like, I'm first, I'm second, I'm third. Like, mm-hmm. you know, does life show up? Yeah. But I don't have the desire to use. I have not had the desire to use in over thirteen years. I don't think about a drug. Yeah. Like it's the last thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. I get mad, um, that's an emotion. It's I, I have anger issues. Um, it's what I do with my emotion. But like I know how to pick up the phone, like I know how to go to a meeting and talk about my shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I got married in the fellowship, I'm going through a divorce. Uh I go share about that, you
0: know, what my feelings, not they shit, my shit. So that's what recovering the steps have taught me. You know, I always like to ask people just to hear their feedback. Like, why do you think some people stay clean and other people don't? Like, because you've seen it because, you know, you do this all day. You I know? think because,
1: like, people think they're cured or people think they don't need steps and people think mm-hmm. they don't need the meetings, but they call it fellowship. Like, yep. people go to church to fellowship, but we need the fellowship. Like, mm-hmm. we're not cured. There's not a white pill. Says you're cured. Like we need to continue to go to meetings. Doesn't mean you got to go to meeting every day. No, but you need to stay with people that know who we are. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when they the first made AA. Yeah. Like uh, if you watch the movie, he shows you that took a drunk to discover a drunk that drunks help one another. So mm-hmm. like all of us help. Like you know, we yeah, you empathize. can't
0: hide and bullshit us. You know? No,
1: we know. It's like you, we know, and it takes one to help one. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do, you know. You gotta stay. You can't, like, you can't just half work the steps and not work the steps, or like, I'm just gonna work the steps and that's it. But mm-hmm. no, it's not working the steps, it's living them. Mm-hmm. It's applying them sp- uh, spiritual principles, you know. Do service, like, I love service. Like, you know, I even like Russell Brand's uh, The Fucking yeah, Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, that's cool. my favorite one is, you know, like, help the next poor fucker that walks through the door, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, that's what I like doing. Helping others today, not, you know, harm. Pay back, you know, pay forward. Like, you know, I did a lot of wrong. Like, I brought a lot of drugs in this country. Did I hurt a lot of families? Did I destroy a lot of families? Yeah. Numerous. I don't, they're nameless because I don't know them. Mm -hmm. But I had to give back. I had to do. So, you know, I volunteer. I help others. And it's not because of that, because I like to, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so work steps. Apply them in your life, Mm -hmm. you
0: know. Well, thank you so much, Berta. That was an amazing story. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Once again, if you guys are listening, you can uh, follow us on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.